Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello and welcome to this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. I'll be your host today, Jason. I'm going to be speaking with anyone who may have just been diagnosed with something that is considered neurodivergent or a developmental disorder such as ADHD, autism, nonverbal learning disorder, executive functioning, major issues, anything that is something that your mind works differently with something that can't be changed or fixed with counseling or medication. And those all fit under the umbrella of a developmental disability. And I, I guess I just wanted to share the conversations I've had with dozens of teenagers, young adults who have been diagnosed and aren't sure what to make of it. And I just want to download into you and give you an information and perspective dump that I think is helpful. So I'm I'm glad you're here with me. And I want to start by just saying getting a diagnosis in and of itself isn't fun. It's not necessarily a crisis. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It can mean a lot of negative things if you let it, or it can be positive. And my advice would be to not let this diagnosis mean nothing as if you're not going to think differently, as if it's not going to change anything, as if you don't care about it, because that would be kind of a waste of the sacrifice of being diagnosed. If it's hard to be diagnosed with something, then make it worth it. That means allowing yourself to learn as much as you can and finding out everything that you need to so that you can maximize success in your life. And I I guess I would say at this point, I'm assuming that things haven't been easy for you. And whatever ways you have struggled, then having an understanding of why those things have been harder or some things have been easier is really helpful to maximize success in your life going forward. I'd also say that you don't have anything. You don't, quote, have, unquote, an illness a germ, a bacteria. If you have anything, it's nothing more than a, a loose set of descriptions and traits that describes your situation enough that they can put you in a box and that is not a negative thing, but they can differentiate you with those who would be considered normies or typicals or those who fit into the normal bell curve. And so when you talk about your diagnoses, if you want to, I don't, I don't recommend saying that you have autism or you have ADHD. I would say you are autistic or you are ADHD or something similar um, because there's no germs. There's nothing you can take away from you. So you don't have anything. And I think that's important. It's a small it's a small shift in perspective, but it helps keep the focus on you as an individual. 
and not on some alien force or substance that has somehow invaded your body. Your brain just works differently. Um, so it's good to know because in life, now that you understand that you fit a specific set of patterns and descriptions, the reason it's a diagnosis and considered a disorder is because it genuinely is more difficult to do what the typical world considers normal, expected. And when you don't fit in the normal bell curve or the majority of people, you know, if you're not in the 80% and you're out on the 10% on either side of the majority, then life's going to be hard for you in some ways. Um, a lot of the disability side of this diagnosis is due to the fact because your brain works differently. And by definition, it isn't necessarily a bad thing to be different. And yet the reason we have it diagnosed and a lot of people want to understand the differences is because there must be some form of difficulty. So if most people can focus in school or most people can understand social nuance, but you don't, we wanna understand why so that you don't have to get put in the box of you're just lazy or bad or dumb, um, or you're just not trying hard enough. That sort of thing is silly. So it's good to know what you fit for a diagnosis because once you understand it, you can apply those and say, I will likely struggle with this. And now I understand why that was hard. And that's why I'm actually really good at these things as well. And know that there's gonna be pros and cons for every diagnosis, there's not just bad. And the reality is we as human beings are way more similar to each other, but we love to focus on the differences. So if you think you're all that different, you're not. We all have similar needs. As a matter of fact, your needs to be loved, safe, secure, to have evidences that you're enough, to grow, to learn, to have fun, to eat, sleep, and be warm. I think human beings are 90 to 95% the same, and then we often focus on the 5 or 10% that might be different. So do I think your, dis your diagnosis is a disability? Yes, I do, and it doesn't define you. It's not who you are. It's not what you are. It's just something that is different enough than the normal population that it's good to be aware of it because life is hard and has been hard and will continue to be hard, but it, it doesn't have to be miserable or it doesn't have to be crises. So you're still you. Just because you have a description, it doesn't it doesn't put you in a box that can't be adjusted. It is actually a very big box. There are some real commonalities to those who are neurodivergent, and yet there are no unchangeable outcomes. Nothing decides your future but you. You decide. There are some things that will be harder or easier. It's pretty similar to me figuring out at a very young age that I would never be tall enough to play in the NBA. And so I dealt with it and I moved on and found other things that I liked and, and that's been just fine. Although a part of me wishes I was still quite a bit taller. I think that would be nice. So in, in a lot of ways, you have been what we call a square peg living in a round hole world where the, the square peg is pounded into the round hole of what's expected. And there's been a lot of damage and there's, 
the damage that's been done is something I want to talk about because if you can understand why things have been hard, then you'll understand why it's so important to heal and understand these three layers of problems that you have likely dealt with. The first one is the, the fact that your brain works different and so you have strengths and weaknesses. And when everyone else is able to do something and you're not, and it becomes a significant difficulty for you, that's hard, it's exhausting. And it brings with it the second layer of damage. And that is that people treat you different. You're not invited, you're not as welcome. You'll probably miss out on opportunities like student council or being picked for teams or having girls be crushing on you because you might be a little quirky or different and, th and they recognize those differences. Um, those aren't even necessarily the disabilities. Junior high is just hard no matter what. And so if you're different in any way, it's hard to, to survive socially. So once people treat you differently in that second layer of hard things and damage, then the third layer comes. And that's the one that makes me the most sad. The third layer is when you start to believe that you suck, you're, you're terrible, you're not successful, you're not gonna make it, your life's pretty much over because it's been so hard. Once you have accepted those beliefs that were injected into you from life's experiences, then everything else in life gets harder. There's not a single human, especially teenager or young adult that I know that doesn't deal with self-talk and the beliefs that we have about ourselves that are hard, negative, dishonest. And I, I think you would be wise to not just pretend that those things don't matter. I think they very much do matter and it will help you find your identity and move on quicker if you can sit back and understand that with this new diagnosis, it's time to do a damage assessment and take a breath and know that you're okay and start to negate and refute all of those negative beliefs that, that you're not good enough and whatever else negative self-talk you have. So when someone who's neurodivergent experiences life, Number one, there's a real chance that you've had more negative experiences because you were different. And number two, there's a really good chance that because your brain works differently, then you're, that you may not be as good at accepting, understanding, and working through emotionally the nuances of things that happen because of the traumas, abuses, and deprivations you have when you're neurodivergent. So you kind of have a double whammy there. Yeah, it's hard. It sucks. And I would do anything to protect you from it. But I'm not you and I'm not there. So you're going to have to understand which things are valid and which things are not and have some self-esteem and some self-confidence. Your own beliefs about yourself are yours and you can totally control what you choose to believe and think. I would hope that you would stop wasting energy trying to be like everyone else. I want you to be who you want to be. And that doesn't mean quit trying to be an adult or mature or healthy or have ethics and just be angry and quit the world and, and go kamikaze, crazy anarchy, um, where you just swing so far away from typical that your life is miserable and you're even more isolated but at the same time, you don't have to please 
everyone, I do think it's wise to learn and practice when to please the social people around you. For example, if you get a job and you want to make friends and you're 22, you may not want to spend all of your time talking about your special interest or if it's Pokemon or something that others in your peer, typical peer age group might find hard. I think it's important to find a group that accepts you for those things. And I don't talk about everything that's in my mind to certain groups. I'm wise in knowing when to speak up and be more open and transparent and when not to. And that's that's a social practice thing. So you you would be wise to learn how to get along with everybody, but also hear me when I say it's very important to have a safety place, a place of nurturing where you can just totally be yourself. And that needs to be at your home. And it would be important to find a friend group or a social group where you can also just be yourself. That might be hard, but you'll have to get creative. There might be online groups. There might be friends in town. There might be community centers. There might be support groups. Um, there's there's a lot of places you can look. And if you don't find them, you keep looking. And you learn how to accept that you may not fit into every social circle. And it's important to have social circles. So your timeline is the next thing I want to explain. Your timeline is going to be so different. Timelines are about when you accomplish what we would consider normal age-appropriate milestones, like finishing high school, like having crushes on girls or boys, like dating, like driving, like getting a first job, having your first whatevers. Those things could come sooner or a lot of the times they come later. Most of the people that I know who are neurodivergent do not hit the same timelines as their peers, and they're usually delayed four to six years by the time they're 20. A lot of people think that by age 19 to 21, you're ready to be an adult. You're supposed to be an adult. It's where you launch. It's where you are ready to successfully, sustainably live independently. And for a lot of neurodivergence, they are delayed. It doesn't mean they're dumb. It doesn't mean that they are failing. It just means that they weren't ready yet. And so what? Yeah, that's harder. At the same time, it's not. Not if you know it's likely to happen and that it's okay. Um, I wish that I would have done things a little bit older, but I was at such a rush to go out and live my life and be on my own independently that I was naively unprepared for life in many ways. So with your timeline, it is what it is. In general, a lot of young adults who are neurodivergent hit their stride at around 24, 25 years old instead of 20 to 21 years old. And the longer our humanity lives, it seems like our society's young adults are less and less prepared to leave home at age 18. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a function of how much is expected and the pressure that our society places on us as members of our society. And it's there's just a lot. There's way more to worry about, think about, and navigate than there was 50 years ago. Uh, probably 10 to 20 times more to worry about, think about, and navigate. So times have changed and we might need a little more time before we're ready to, to fly the nest. So 
you'll find some things hard and some things easy. Caring about the things that society cares about in general is maybe different for you. Learning how to meet your own needs. Executive functioning might be more difficult for you. And that's the ability of the brain to manage all of the things you are juggling in life at once and understand that I'm hungry and I have to finish this assignment before 10 o'clock tonight. Which one am I going to choose? Well, executive functioning can balance the pros and cons and make a decision. A lot of neurodivergence are uh, or struggle. They struggle with having what we consider RAM in computers where they just don't have as much processing capability. And so it's maybe harder to organize and you might be the smartest kid in class, but not turn in your assignments or you might be the hardest worker at your job and you can't remember to pay your electricity bill. So your electricity turns off in the middle of the night and your alarm doesn't go off and then you're late for work and you get fired. There's so many ways that you can get tripped up and they're different for everybody. How you learn is very likely to be different. What your interests are will be different than your peers in general. And maybe that's more age difference and you'll catch up eventually, or maybe you'll just always love what you love and it'll be different than everybody else. I think one thing that's interesting that I think is really important is that many neurodivergents have touch deprivation where they just don't get enough hugs, kisses, and snuggling. A lot of neurodivergents aren't interested in the touchy-feely physical stuff. Maybe they're more practical. At the same time as mammals, our brains are created to connect and be social. And so whether you think you need touch or not, I think humans in general need touch. You may choose not to want it, and I'm not suggesting you have to. I am suggesting that many of my students and clients that I work with, I have them go get massages because they just need human physical touch. And it, massages help a lot with anxiety and therefore depression as well. So um, you may find it harder to meet your social and emotional needs. You might be really outgoing or too outgoing, or you may be really shy or introverted. Um, and still, none of it works well. Maybe you just don't know how to do it right. Having a love-hate relationships with yourself and others is pretty common as a human being, but it's also very common with neurodivergence. Um, identity might be harder to identify right away because of those three layers of problems that I talked about. Uh, hygiene could be a problem. Keeping jobs could be a problem being obsessively interested in so few things that you're limited in life could be a problem. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Some of the most successful career people or anyone who has a hobby, talent, or interest are that way because they have an obsessive focus. So a lot of the neurodivergent brains in the world are those who have created the most unique and wonderful inventions or the next idea generation. So obsessive compulsive that is sustainable is good. Unsustainable is not. If all you do is video games or Pokemon or, or magic, the gathering, you're going to miss out on other things that actually will be important. It's good to mix all those things. And I love those things. There's nothing wrong with them. It, it's just important that you learn to have balance in your life. So you may have a hard time learning things that you just don't find interesting. If you don't care about them, you may find it hard to jump through hoops where everyone else has 
picked up on and understands the social nuances of manners or hygiene or earning your own money so you're not dependent on your parents, you may be just happy the way it is and not give in isn't the right word, but not be willing to jump through the hoops that society gives. That might be fine or it might be really detrimental. Typically, brushing your teeth is not a fun task. I don't know many people who love it. And yet, if you refuse to brush your teeth, you're going to pay the price later in life, physically, socially, and financially. So, you know, that's a hoop to jump through that is really important. And looking and understanding why it's important may be difficult. That's just an example. I don't think everyone who's neurodivergent in any way is has hygiene issues. It's just an obvious one that I wanted to use an ex as an example. Please don't quit. Whatever issues, problems, and roadblocks that you face, adjust. Learn to be resilient. Learn to be flexible. If you know that you're okay and you keep working, you're going to be fine. The only people who struggle are those who decide they're not okay and that they suck and then they never get a chance to try. Or those who try but it's not easy or it hurts or it's too hard so they quit and either of those are kind of like i don't know a no win a death sentence to your life if you want to have a life worth living so just keep working and like who you are is a big part of success in life for everybody if you have tendencies towards other issues because you're neurodivergent, you might actually find that you struggle more than a typical person that would have the same issue. So if you have a personality that tends to care too much, then you might have more anxiety and you might care more because you may not understand how to rein that in as well. If you have a predisposition to depression or OCD, you might find that you have stronger depression or stronger OCD because those things require a lot of insight. And that's where that, that mental ram I talked about or the executive functioning issues might make it harder to understand, deal with, and overcome. So there's actually a lot of correlation with neurodivergence and mental health issues. And they're not all caused because the neurodivergent person has problems. A lot of it's caused because their problem is that society thinks they should be different and they're not. Um, and a lot of your problems come from wanting to be typical in all of the good ways. And it's harder. Like if you're not picked for the captain of the softball team, or if you don't do well in job interviews, but you really think you'd be a great worker, it can be really depressing. So working with mental health stuff is something that I want you to be aware of. And it doesn't have to change your life or ruin your life. I do think medications can help with mental health issues. Depression and anxiety are not a part of being neurodivergent. They happen to be a symptom of being a square peg pounded into a round hole of a world. But not everyone who's neurodivergent has depression or anxiety. And yet there is a, a higher likelihood that you're going to struggle with those things. And with your diagnoses, you can actually overcome anxiety, depression, and OCD and other issues better. You can have more relationships. You can learn to focus on the things that your brain doesn't do easily or comes easily to you. In the end, you have the choice to be kind, informed, gentle with yourself, forgiving of others, even when they don't understand, 
forgiving of those who truly are mean to you in the sense that you don't let their crap fill your heart with your own problems. Don't let that inject anger into you. And forgiveness doesn't mean that what they did is okay. It just means that you don't let their bitterness and their poison inside of you. And that's really important. It's really important to find a peer group to belong to. It's important for you to focus on relationship attachments. Everyone needs connection. There's nobody that's an exception to that rule. Sometimes I hear people say that those who are autists or autistics are not people, uh, people persons. They, they don't need as much social, and that's really not accurate. I think oftentimes they're hesitant to join in, so they come across as shy or introverted, but their social and emotional needs are exactly the same as everybody else. It just looks different and feels different. So avoid avoiding. If there's things that you're avoiding, figure out whether it's time to do them or get experience practice and figure out when you can do the things that you're avoiding that would actually be good for you. I wouldn't say you need to force yourself to do things that aren't good for you. If it's not going to be a positive experience to go to college, then find, find something different or find a way to make it a positive experience. Pretending that you're not neurodivergent will actually cause you a lot of pain and suffering. Most neurodivergents can't mask it all the time. And eventually people start to find that you think differently, act differently, value differently. And then who knows, maybe they think you're being fake. Maybe they don't understand and they avoid you. Um, if they're good people like myself and a lot of other people, they'll say, hey, are you okay? You're looking pretty stressed out there. And and you can say, you know, I get really anxious, but I think I'm doing okay. Um, but don't expect people to be ready and capable of doing that. Most people leave you to yourself because they don't want to overstep their bounds or they don't know what to do to be helpful anyway. Um, I would I would say that counseling can be effective and it needs to be more of a coaching mentoring model where they give you information, ask you what you want to do, and help you create a path and a plan to do it, as opposed to focusing on all of your feelings and how you feel about things and why you feel what you did and, and how you felt when you were five and six. And those types of insight therapies don't work as well. I would also highly recommend that you find out not just what you like, because that's easy. Find out why you like it so that you can transfer that into other areas of your life. And that's where development happens. If you loved Legos when you were young and now you're older and you still love Legos, great. And find out why you love them so that you can start applying that to other things. I met a man who was working doing brickwork and he said he's just always loved to build things and he could see it in his mind and he was good at three-dimensional thinking and he loved the idea of constructing things out of chaos and he loved legos when he was young but he grew up and became a brick worker because it was something very familiar to him that he could do over and over and never get bored with so find out what you like but also why you like it and also it's okay to rule out a bunch of things that you don't like i can't tell you how many times students have come to our school and they would only eat a very few number of foods 
And so they were what people would consider highly picky, which is fine, except you might actually find out that you love chicken curry, or you might actually find out that you love other things. Had you not tried them, you wouldn't have known. It's very easy and comfortable to just stay with the familiar. If you're neurodivergent, I highly recommend pushing yourself out of your comfort zone so that you're a little stretched, but not letting yourself get too overwhelmed. It's okay to not get overwhelmed, but it's also very easily, it's very easy for humans to be comfortably miserable, comfortably stuck. And comfortable feels good, but not really. What really feels good is when we are out of our comfort zone doing great things and we are uncomfortably fulfilled and content and proud of ourselves and our identity is growing because we do things that are new and developing and growing. Lastly, just be a kind human being and everything's going to work out for you. If you are kind to others and open and honest and have integrity, things are going to work in your favor. I don't know many people that turn a good person away. Most people, if they know you have a good heart and you're open and willing, then they will work with you to help you out in whatever ways that you need. I certainly have found that people are that way towards me when I struggle. And I found that if someone else is struggling and they're, they're good people with good hearts that I am willing to bend over backwards to benefit their life and give them a leg up. Everything I've talked to you about today is common sense. And at the same time, there's a lot of things you could focus your time and energy on. These are some very important basic perspectives that I thought you should know right from the get-go. And I hope you can apply them and start to look at your life and say, okay, if Jason thinks those things are important, I want to understand why he thinks that. And if they don't apply, great. If they do, I'm just glad you heard it so that you didn't spend another 5, 10, 20, or 50 years figuring it out on your own. Thanks for joining me. And I, once again, want to say that I love neurodivergent brains. I love what they offer to our world. I love their humor, their perspectives. I love their quirks and their, and their flaws as well. I love integrity and those who are honest in heart. So thanks for who you are and good luck to you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. dot